The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. A happy Monday to you all. 5.01 your start time for the second hour of the Full Court Press. Grateful to have you however and wherever you are joining us. Don't forget you can find us on all podcast platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, also you can stream us on 1069thefan.com. We have a very shortened second hour because of the Cowboys and Giants Monday Night Football game, which will be aired here. I don't know if I'd say it's a very train. shortened hour. If Well, 45 minutes. If we had t- like five minutes to oh be on the air, heck. that would be very shortened. Shut up. We for all the content we have to talk about. Fifteen minutes of our show is cut out. That's a lot, which is a lot considering a, a Monday where we have a lot to kind oh, of yeah, recap yeah. Now and you recover. See what, oh, okay, yeah. Now we understand what he's saying. But honestly, you just take over the show. Just, you freaking know what you're talking uh, about. There's not a whole lot I think I can say without getting in trouble with the federal regulators of the FCC. We have a delay button, don't we? We have, we have a not in button. here. We don't have a dump button in here? No. Yeah, that's not good. We that's, need a, a, that's a problematic. We need a dump button for uh, what we're about to hit on here. AJ Salves and Eric Franson here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It is time to go into therapy mode. 42-14 is for final at Maverick Stadium. The old wagon wheel returns back to Provo as BYU dominates, obliterates the Aggies. As the Aggies, again, for the second week in a row, just get carved up defensively, shut down offensively, and are nowhere to be found. And now they have to get ready for uh, a gauntlet stretch of Fresno, Wyoming, and Boise State in back-to-back-to-back weeks. No breaks in between. Uh, so let's start here. Eric, when you first – I went back on sun- – so I got home at about 2 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, and I got up like at 6 because I like I, my mind was just spinning. Like, what happened? Now, you had a very active – lively post game uh thanks to fans calling in and again i mean even so but even when you went out into grocery stores and whatever people eric what's going on eric is the second team okay what do you know eric give us your reaction to this loss yeah the last 14. the last 48 hours i've not been able to avoid conversations about that game and so we, you talked about how they shut down the utah state offense and i don't know that i and there was a, some dialogue going on through the game and after the game, critical of the Utah State offense. I'm hesitant to agree with that in the sense that Jordan Love threw for almost 400 yards. The problem was he also threw three picks. Five times Utah State offense stalled on their drives because of turnovers. Um. The, the, it was a better offensive performance Saturday night than we had seen the previous two weeks. Even against Nevada, it was a better offensive flow. But when you throw three picks and put the ball on the ground twice, that's just that's almost impossible to, to overcome. Uh, the, the problem really for me was oh, so many problems. But some of the big problems for me were was that, uh, that Jordan Love consistently has trouble fi- identifying where the linebackers are. A uh, number of his interceptions have happened or occurred across the middle or on the edges 
where he's he's not getting the ball off in time, and the linebackers pick him off. And why was he still in the game with four minutes to go when it was clearly decided? Yeah, a question I think people a lot a lot of people had uh, over social media, and and a few people had towards me was why didn't Henry Columby get a chance to go in there and, and give it a shot when this game was well out of hand, middle and late into the fourth quarter. Um, you know, why didn't Pe- or not Peasley, excuse me, but why didn't, you know, a couple other kids even get a chance to play? Uh, again, that's a coaching decision. Uh, coach was not asked about that today, by the way, uh, in his press conference. We'll get into some of that sound and audio here in just a little bit. So for me, Ajay, just to move on to this, uh, as I talked about last hour as well, I, I'm I'm hesitant to be overly critical of the offense because I thought it was a better offensive performance than we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Um, but what is problematic is the Utah State defense. It's been consistently blown up over the last couple of weeks in ways that are really unexpected. Uh, just how bad they're getting exposed, and BYU could do what it wanted. Air Force could do what it wanted. And that Utah State defensive front, not what, not anything close to what we thought it was earlier in the year. So, for me, I think we should be talking more about the defensive problems. Everybody's focusing on Jordan Love and the offense. Man, we should be talking about this defense. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. Here's uh, Coach Anderson's opening statement of the press conference. By the way, and just a reminder, no players were presented in the conference itself. It was just Coach Anderson today, and it was so it's just a small sample size of audio. Here's uh, Coach Anderson's uh, opening statement recapping the BYU game and getting ready for Fresno. BYU game, obviously, we're disappointed. Uh, everybody that's an Aggie is disappointed, and uh, a tough football game. BYU played well, and um, they deserved to win the football game. Came down to a lot of the same things I thought at the end of the game. Uh, the turnovers were huge and missed tackles were a big part of it. Uh, a mobile quarterback gave us problems, um, which was an issue at times. Um, you know, we made some big plays on the offensive side of the ball. And you know, if we can, again, convert in the red zone, we get an opportunity and um, you know just uh, ball up a little bit on defense in the red zone. It's a different uh, a different score. Uh, see if the outcome would have been different, but the score could have been different. Uh, but it was not. So yeah, we have to uh, buckle up, dive in, and keep on grinding and keep on fighting. Um, I know these kids will do that. They'll come back. They've already come back this morning. They'll come back this afternoon and get themselves prepared for another tough game against Fresno. Um, you know, Fresno State is uh, is an athletic team as always. Uh, they've you know had some. Solid games as they've gone through the year, obviously, and uh, I've continued to battle just like we're continuing to battle through the through the year. We're in very similar spots, and uh, you know they're last year's champions, and so uh, they have a good football team, and they understand how to be able to win football games. We've got to get an airplane and fly over there and play them in that uh, in that spot over in Fresno at the, on their home court. So that's a great opportunity, and we look forward to getting back to work uh, here in the next couple hours. And you know, we got. Uh, Four of those left, and uh, they're all guaranteed. And we'll see uh, what we can get done to make that uh, move on to another one as we uh, go through time. But uh, we're in the fight. We're in the race. And um, our kids, I know they'll be excited to come back and battle, which they will. So let's start here. Their red zone chances, which he talked about they need to convert in, they only had three. And they went one of three. One of three in the red zone. And, of course, you had 
what, that there was a pick by Love? Was the Gerald Bright fumble in the red zone too? Or was that just outside? Um... That's a good question. Where that was on the field, I can't remember. I can't remember where it was out on the field. I'm, I'm still trying to remember, and I don't. Actually, it's right here. It was. Nah, it's not. Does it? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was on the 14 yard line. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Only, and then, and then there was that uh, ineligible receiver downfield. Right. Yeah. And USU wasn't able to convert. It was a sure touchdown. It was a quick strike. CLC Mariner looked like, yeah, okay, early in the second half. But, uh, okay, Utah State's still in this game. Uh, this is going to be a shootout. But then uh, the penalty pushes them back. They don't get anything out of it. They go for it on fourth down. They still don't get into the end zone. And and uh, BYU proceeds to score 21 unanswered points in the second half. That was amazing. And by the way, that was with their backup quarterback. Yep. Their backup backup quarterback. Backup to the back. I mean, Uncle Rico was on, on the sideline throwing and getting warmed on up and an ready to go. Foot. Yeah, he and and that's the other problem is that defensively they just you brought this up. They didn't do anything to present any sort of pressure at all whatsoever. I mean, there was times where Romney was going back there, he'd comb his hair, wave to his girlfriend, find his parents in the stands, wave to them, look at the clock. Then finally go through all his progression reads and then throw the ball. I mean, sure, that's an exaggeration. But then when you watch film, and I rewatched that game, I, there was nothing. Like, he had all day to look, 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 and look. I mean, it was a great job by the offensive line and a really, really good job by them. And every time they ran the ball, they got big chunk yards. Yeah, big yeah, Yeah, at one point, well, I think it was their first drive. No, their third drive, I believe. Uh, turned into a touchdown, but no, was it their uh, second drive of the second half? They had, they faced one second down, and that was on the first, and that was on their first set of downs. They first, they faced one second down. Everything else was chunk plays. Fourteen here, fifteen here. Then they had the thirty-six yard pass, another fifteen yard run, and they were in. They scored. Uh, time of possession has always has been kind of uh, a big thing as of late, especially against teams like Air Force and BYU. Uh, time of possession, once again, did not favor them. 35 minutes and 14 seconds for BYU to the 24-46 of Utah State. Uh, BYU held the ball for chunks of time. In fact, they held it for just over, 18, or excuse me, over 19 minutes in the second half. And USU, just over 11. Okay, so that's been another point that people are are talking to me about too. Is look, this offense isn't on the field long enough. This quick pace stuff isn't isn't working, and it's problematic for the defense. Uh, with the Air Force game, it was way out of whack, and the the defense was on the field for way too long. But uh, I that wasn't the problem in my mind. It was for me because when you go out there... At least in this game for Saturday night, the time of possession, I think it can be a little bit overrated because the offense was was sustaining drives. We didn't have a lot of punts. We had a lot of turnovers. But here's the thing for me is why it was such a big deal. BYU would go in about four or five minutes, 441, 515, whatever it is, drive and score. Utah State's offense would go out there and go three and out in 41 seconds. 
And then you have Utah State's out, uh, defense back out there for another four and a half, five minutes. Sure, it's not the six and a half, seven, eight minutes that you get from San Diego State or Air Force. But it's with the defense that's humming like they were, it's it's hard not to ignore that. I agree. I mean, that does make a difference. You need to be able to keep your offense on the field and get the, their their offense off. But the, the Utah State defense was having trouble with BYU in the first half, and they were still having trouble with them in the second half. If your defense is on the field a lot, then the points start to just really add up and the floodgates open like in the fourth quarter. By then, your defense is gassed. If you've been on the field a lot and time of possession is really askew the other way, then you see a lot of late scoring by the other team. We didn't We didn't see that. We saw 14 points in the third quarter. You can't tell me after a halftime break where you're not on the field and it was not that far different in the first half that your defense is coming out the third quarter just gassed. So yeah. it's it's not just time of possession. Yeah, Utah State needs to be able to hold on to the ball more and have sustained drives and get into the end zone. That would solve a lot of problems. Yes. But it's not just that. Yeah, no, it there's and again, you're right. There's multiple. I mean, there is multiple facets to why they're getting beat the way they are. And but you know, I I was texting a friend last night about this this you know, just the stance, or I guess the situation where this team is right now, the vibe, and he his last line in the text message conversation really is what stood out to me the most. This doesn't add up. Something is not adding up here, and it's it's bigger than X's and O's. It's much bigger than that. There's problems. I mean, something is I, something's going on. Yeah, there's, there's there's something is going on. Yeah, there's something else that's amiss that we don't know about. I mean, whether that's you know, I don't know if it's within the locker room or if it's within the coaching staff or what. There's something else going on, and I and I can't tell you what it is because I don't know. I flat out don't know. But for a team this talented to get blown out the way they have in back to back weeks scares me. Really, really scares me. Um, yeah, Ajay, in their three losses, I mean, the start of the year, they were 3-1. and one, And in that one loss, they still looked good. Since then, they're 1-3. and three. And in those three losses, they have looked horrible. They've been outscored 115-27. to 27. Yeah. Something changed when they got ready to play LSU. And they haven't been the same since. Yeah, that's uh, that that's fair enough to say. Again, final score forty two fourteen. BYU falls, or excuse me, BYU beats Utah State Aggies. You talked about the defense, uh, and when he was asked when he was asked about, look, the, the the tackling issues are absolutely evident to everybody watching the football game. How can you fix that, or can you? Here's Coach Anderson's answer. Well, I, you know, I, I think that there's there's a lot of things that you can actually do. There's opportunities to leverage the ball a little bit differently with the other defenders that are on the field. Um, I always think it's important to look at the, the whole field um, and, and what's getting you into those one-on-one tackling scenarios, those one-on-one tackling situations. You always want to try to make it be as a condensed field as you can with uh, the other defenders on how they're leveraging and how they're moving themselves back into the field on the defensive side. And um, at times that, that can improve. Um, 
you know, you can improve angles, even if you're not really physical and you're tackling and you're, you know, getting guys down to the ground. And that's that's a big part of it, obviously. But there's more to it. There's the the point to where the tackle takes place that I think you can strive to improve on as you uh, as you work through practice. And uh, and then there's times when you need to, you know, actually lay your hands on people and, and wrap them up, and sometimes to the ground, and sometimes. Uh, you know, just uh, to get into the position to physically be able to take them to the ground. So there's things we can work on. Um, you know, it's, it's disappointing, and we need to, bottom line, we need to, to coach it better. Um, that's always been my philosophy. When something's not good, we need to look at it and take responsibility. And, and the kids will, too, and we'll make sure they do. We'll work on it. I mean, you can't be it, happy with yeah, anything. No, there, I mean, there's a, there's a lot that goes into that, you know, and I, I would I think it would be a cop-out sitting here in any way, shape, or form as a coach to just sit there and say, oh, well, if the kids tackle better, I mean, you know, our scheme's perfect, we're great coaches, and we just got to tackle better. That's that's not the case. Um, you know, we can we can work to tweak the schemes and help the kids get where they need to be and, and have a better understanding. You know, there's just there, there's no real reason to sit back and, and when you're in a struggling time and you're dealing with adversity, you know, we've uh, if you've done this long enough, which you know, obviously I have. Um, there's going to be times when it's really good, and you can sit up here and pound your back and say I'm great. There's times when you can sit up here and say I'm not great, and that's just not my style. My style is to look back and say, hey, we'll we'll work to get the kids better and in, in bad, and when it's good, it's it's all the kids. So, but we can um, help them. You know, I think that's the key thing is to help them and make sure it's crystal clear in their minds and it's clean and they can play fast and precise and, you know, um, just because it looks good on the board all the time, it doesn't always, you know, look good out there on the field. And um, so we'll work to do that, you know. Uh, last week our goal was to play, you know, fast, physical, and smart. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we need to be more physical um, and we need to put the kids in a position to be more physical also. I think we can help them do that. Eric, you're the one that brought the ideas of uh, tackling and defense and the issues. Are you satisfied with the answer or no? I, uh, I didn't. I, I keep hearing got to be more physical. I'm not seeing them be more physical. The problem, like I said, my big problem with the game on Saturday was the defense for Utah State. Uh, I, I swear, gosh, it had to been more than half of BYU's receiving yards are, are yards that happen after the catch. I don't know that I've seen so many missed tackles by Utah State defense. It's been a long time since I've seen so many missed tackles. It's not like BYU had some magic formula about how to plant and cut and move that we haven't seen before. Uh, it's bizarre. So the, the defense wasn't more physical. And the, the BYU had so many extra yards after the catch that was I don't know what do you do or even runs like I mean be able to gash through yeah, runs the way they were able to true. to get to the second level and then break tackles and then get to the third level and off to the races they were it was amazing like the QB sneak that was like I think it was third and one went for like 13 because yeah. all he did is he just took one step to the side and was gone for 12 more yards it was just I mean that said everything you needed to know about the night defensively. Now, a lot of it can be attributed to this very crappy situation. Uh, David Woodward uh, is out for the season. He is not playing. Uh, they did not specify why, um, but they just simply said that he is done for the year. Here is Coach uh, Anderson on that. <laughs> I mean, that's hard. Yeah. Right. 
Sorry, wrong one. Let's try this one. That's another quote for another day. Here we go. Not having David is a is a huge blow for every Aggie at every level. Um, it is what it is, and but it, it's hardest for him. Trust me, that's that's the hardest for the kid. Um, you know, it's uh, he'll 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 go through it, but it's a, it's a devastating blow to a young man to be in that spot. And you know, as a player, I had two half a seasons taken away from me and. Uh, it's tough. Um, so the key is, is to help him um, and then help the young guys that are playing. You know, we need to continually help Elijah and help AJ get better and work out there as a unit and make sure that Kevin doesn't feel like he has to just take care of a freshman all the time and get him lined up so that Kevin um, doesn't do his job as well as he can do his job. So it's a, it's a big blow. Our kids will you need to pick it up where it is and go from there. I think, you know, I said it earlier today on an interview, I think, you know, you we lost David now, and I just I don't think it's fair to Fua if we just forget about Fua because he wasn't there the first game of the year. So if we're talking about guys who've been gone for the year uh, that are great players, you know, Fua has to be mentioned in that spot also. Um, you know, not as an excuse because we lost him. That's where we're at and the way we're playing. But it's uh, I think it's in fairness to Fua to recognize him as a great player that was with us and uh, is no longer with us as as David is now. That's the other problem is when Woodward was out there, there was some sense of leadership, right, of directing people where to be. Everyone knew their assignment. They looked lost. On and he rarely quite missed few- tackles. Oh, yeah. So he no. was in there and, yeah. and at least slowed things down where other guys could get in there to help make a tackle and stop the whatever it was, a short but pass or a run. There were numerous plays where they just looked absolutely lost. Like, no idea where they were at. I mean, they were scrambling around. Out of position. You saw, like, DJ Williams telling one guy, hey, you're supposed to be over here. You saw Kevin. Kevin had to do this a lot. Besides playing the game, he was directing kids, pulling jerseys, trying to get kids into certain spots for that certain play. And it was just a mess. It really, really was. And, I I mean, we're trying not to give excuses, but when you're missing your leading tackler and a kid who's nationwide on a lot of watch lists and respected for his ability to play the game of football, and as a person. Arguably one of the top man, linebackers in the country. Yeah, uh, just that. It's really, really extremely unfortunate, and our, and our uh, thoughts and prayers are with uh, David that he'll uh, be able to recover and be okay, and he'll be, uh, he'll be good to go next year if, uh, if he's able to come back. All right, we're going to take a break, come back. We'll get into more Aggies football. 435-752-1069. If you got any thoughts on this game or on the game upcoming, Fresno State, Give us a call, 435-752-1069. It's a Therapy Monday for all the Aggie fans here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's Christmas music. In honor of Cash Fire Radio Network, starting it up. They did launch a Christmas station today. They did. Flip the format. That's right. Over on Light FM, 103.3. I'm so excited. I hate Christmas, but I love just when you guys play Christmas music. Just 24-7 now. Ruins my year. Now through Christmas. Can't wait. Uh, last season. That should be a five best sometime. Five best modern Christmas songs. Oh, very good. Or... Five best Christmas games ever played, NBA. Mm. Or five best. Yeah, that works. Uh, last season, Utah State was 
looking pretty darn good at this point. They're looking very good at this point. And now we stare at a 4-4 four and four football team with four games remaining. And, only, and for me, in my opinion, one of those are for sureable winnable games. The other three are, well, it depends which team shows up. Right. Questionable. I totally agree with you. New Mexico, I think, is still a very winnable game. Everything else is questionable. I thought before the Aggies went into LSU, and even after the LSU game, I felt like, yeah, Utah State can beat, go into Fresno State and beat the Bulldogs. I think they can beat Wyoming. I, they can beat New Mexico. Boise State, I uh, don't know. Probably not, but could be an interesting game. Now, New Mexico is the only thing I see as most likely. Okay, so... And even then, it's not guaranteed. You know, I, uh, you and I had this conversation before. Um, and now it's even more relevant because based on what, where the Mountain Crest, Mount West Conference stands at right now, and it's it's pretty loaded as as it is. So the question now becomes: with the Mountain West, here's oh here, I'll tell you this: Boise State right now is seven and one; they're bowl eligible. In fact, they've already qualified for bowl. Air Force seven and two; Wyoming six and two. Uh, San Diego State seven and one, Fresno State's four and four, but Hawaii's five and four. As is Nevada. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams. Without naming Utah State, that are now close to being or are bowl eligible. Being six and six in this conference will not get you a bowl game. Let's be honest, right now. I think you're right. I think that. Um... Hawaii and maybe even Nevada become bowl eligible here pretty soon. Uh, without looking at their schedules, they're just one win away. Uh, and then, gosh, even Colorado State's kind of turning things around for them. So it, there's going to be a lot of bowl eligible teams, I think, in the Mountain West Conference. And if Utah State just becomes bowl eligible, if they finish six and six, I don't know if they get in. I mean, it'll help that they have that they played and defeated San Diego State. It will have helped that they played LSU and Wake Forest, two top twenty-five teams. But uh, I don't know; they didn't win those games, so they have to get to seven. I agree; they have yeah. to get to seven. Six if is they want to make sure they go bowling. Six is probably going to knock you out of the bowl picture, or. Six might put well. No, six won't even get you into the Idaho Potato Bowl. It won't. I mean, there's some chance, and where I'm seeing several different people who update their bowl projections every week, and there are a number of them that are predicting that some of these Power Five conferences won't be able to fill all of their bowl, bowl arrangements. Slots. Yeah. So a, a conference like the Mountain West will be filling their full slot and then additional ones as well. I mean, you can hope that that happens. But you can't rely on it. Look what happened to Wyoming a year ago. Yeah. They got left out. Yeah. No, I and I couldn't agree more. Uh, By the way, Hawaii, uh, they play San Jose State this week. Then they play UNLV. Then they finish with San Diego State and Army. Hawaii's going to be bowl eligible. They're going to get that sixth win uh, for sure, uh, I think. And then... Uh, I think the other question would be um, Nevada 
They're five and four. Could they become bowl eligible? Well, they finished. They only have three games left. Uh, San Diego State at San Diego State. They're probably not going to win that one. At Fresno, who knows? And then they finish in their uh, rivalry game against UNLV. So they could become bowl eligible if they win the rivalry game. Uh, just got a, uh, a message from somebody, and, and they want to know from you, Eric. Would no bowl be better than getting a crappy bowl? I would say no. You still want to go to I'll a bowl game. I'll take a bowl game in a heartbeat. You still want to go to a bowl yeah, game. I'll take a bowl it game in a heartbeat. It means a lot for recruiting. To say that seniors. you're still a bowl game, it gives another, right, it gives another opportunity for your seniors. Uh, the extra practices that you get is really helpful for your underclassmen. There are a lot of positives for going to a bowl game. You want to go to a bowl game, no yes. matter what. Yes, that is still something to strive for. Even if it is not very good and the payout's not that great, there are other intrinsic things that come with participating in a bowl game that really help a program. Speaking of importance of games, BYU is a rivalry, right? Old Wagon Wheel, you could have won it for three straight years. That's no longer there. But is there a bigger picture in why you're playing Fresno that you're competing back to competing for a Mountain West Conference championship? Coach Anderson's thoughts? <laughs> I mean, that's hard yeah, to say. Yeah, it, the, you know, the BYU game has obviously great importance. Um, you know, I mean, you grow up in a rivalry, and whatever side you're on it, it's uh, it's huge. And um, to lose it stings. It hurts a lot. And you gotta, you know, you gotta sit and you gotta stare at that uh, empty spot where the wagon wheel is supposed to be for a whole year. And um, you know, that's that's sports. That's what uh, we signed up for. And is that the way we want it to be? Absolutely not. Um, so we'll we'll uh, you know, you have to be able to again move on and get to the next game but uh it stings it stings bad it's uh it's a tough deal um uh, there's always a little bit more that goes into a rivalry game and i think anybody that says that there's not then um you either need to understand that it is a little bit more important or um you know your your feelings are wrong i guess one of the two uh, but to get back to where we are you know we're three and one in conference and um, we're battling ourselves to be in a position. We got to go on the road and play well, which we've done in the past. We've beat some, you know, very very good San Diego State team on the road, and they've proved to be that as they've moved through the years. So, opportunities will be there. Um, you know, the Aggies need to continue to work to to grow and develop. And um, there was some good signs in that game, and there was some signs that weren't good. So, uh, we'll look to address them all and work to get better. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I'm gonna be that guy and. <laughs> I, I really hate to be this guy, but we heard that a week ago as well. Heard it for two weeks in a row. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see some... Hmm. <laughs> i just like to see it put, be put into action, right? I really would. I mean, we're going to talk about being physical. Let's be physical. I mean, look, I'll even... Honestly, I hate to do this, but I even like would like to see someone... You know, put up a big block or someone, I mean, even get a pass interference call because you're mugging him. And as he's laying on the ground, just kind of look and be like, it's going to be that kind of a night. We're going to be all over you tonight. And it was almost like this team was playing too tentatively, offensively and defensively, not being the physical team that we're used to seeing. Again, where does that blame fall percentage-wise between coaches and players? everybody's going to have to each their own guess or opinion. 
but I, I'm kind of starting to lean. I think you said this earlier, Eric. I'm going to agree with you that um, you almost just got to kind of look at the coaches and say, uh, it's your turn to look in the mirror. Figure it out and, and get these kids ready for this big, big three-game stretch. If you go one and two in this stretch, your bowl game, is I mean, it's gone. You're done. Right. You, there's, like we said, getting. there's already four teams in the Mountain West that are already bowl eligible. There are two more that are knocking on the door, Hawaii and Nevada. I can easily see them becoming bowl eligible. Hawaii could become it sooner than later. There, so That would make... Six teams already with another uh, uh, couple more that may get there. So, it's if you want to go bowling, it's got to start this week. Yeah, I this just, team has got to make a statement about who they are and what they want to do. Yeah, I mean, where do they want their season to land? Right? If they, do they really want to be contenders in the Mountain West? You got to turn things around real quick. Uh, I got a message, and this is a great question. And I, you might have answered this already, but they, they, they said what it comes down to is, did we play better against BYU than we did Air Force? He says, I don't think we did. I say we did. Uh, Utah State did play better against BYU, BYU than they did Air Absolutely. Force. No question yeah, in my num- mind. The number, yeah, the effort and the lack of... The lack of showing, just not even showing up, coaches or players against Air Force, the air, it was, was just horrendous. So One of the so ugliest bad. losses since the Brent Guy era. Right. There were so Easily. many three and outs. Offense just never got going. Um, Yeah. It, there was one drive early in the second half that looked good. Yeah. One. Yeah. Last, I mean, this last Saturday, there were multiple drives. I mean, Jordan Love for almost 400 yards. But throws three picks. They put the ball on the ground twice. You know, so five different drives get killed because of turnovers. Um, and then defensively, they got gashed. Um, I mean, that the defense consistently has been problematic the last two weeks. But yeah. the offense was better, I think, uh, Saturday than it was no, Saturday before. Oh, by, by far, absolutely, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break, come back. Look, Eric, it was a really rough weekend for me. The Aggies lost, my Patriots lost, and then the Jazz decided to go ahead and blow two games too, just to add on to the Yeah, two games they should have won. And there's a common theme as to why they didn't win those yep. games. I think I know what you're going to talk about. That's all coming up next. Eric France and I once had a Monte Stavelson. It's the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. I dreamed I was missing. 5.39 your time. We are having a shortened show. In about four minutes, you're going to uh, hear the Monday night football game, at least a pregame of it. Giants, Cowboys, and you'll get the play-by-play call here on this very station. Uh, Monday Night Football. Really cool thing. Really, really cool. You'll listen to Monday Night Football here on yeah, the radio. Yeah, we got NFL games here on the fan. We've got some college football games on Saturdays. It's exciting. It is. All right, we got to get into, uh, I mean, let's pour on the salt of a salty, salty weekend for those, I mean, not only in the Valley, also in the state of Utah. This one equals everybody's thoughts and feelings on a really, really rough weekend for a team that's expected to do a lot. I'm talking about your Utah Jazz, who fall to not once, but twice, 
over, uh, in my opinion, beatable teams in games that they should have won. Uh, who did they play on Friday night, Eric? That was the Sacramento Kings. And, and then that the was Clippers down last the wire. night. Yep. Um, and then the Jazz were in it with the Clippers until the last few minutes. Should have. But the consistent problem has been blocking out. Each yeah. opponent has been able to get second chance opportunities, easy putbacks. Yeah, it was a problem for most of the night, and then it continued to be a problem for them last night. Uh, and and it is. It's rebounding. Rebounding has been the issue. Now, against Sacramento, uh, Bogdanovich just wasn't paying attention to where he was on the court, where his man was on the court. And really, the ball took a pretty nice bounce, too. Yeah, but I mean, we would like to focus on one play, but there were multiple before then. It shouldn't even come to that. Yeah, the one that the ball bounced and Rudy Gobert and Ingles took off, and Sacramento grabbed it and put it in for a layup. I mean, I I look at that play. There's a couple where I mean, just the effort for rebounding it. It's just it it hasn't been there thus far, and it's and it's been pretty porous to watch. Uh, they lose one hundred five ninety four to the Clippers last night in a game that they were in it. Until about 30, 45 seconds left, and that's when things kind of pulled away. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, who was extremely quiet in the first half, erupts in the fourth quarter. I mean, just this is what makes him one of the top three players in the whole entire world. I mean, that's he had 18 of his 30 in the fourth quarter. And there were shots that he was taking. I mean, right, Royce O'Neal did a fantastic job. Yeah. It's just that sometimes it's hard when, to ask any more than yeah, what he was doing. It's just that, you know, sometimes a player is just going to have that uh, ability to hit big shots, and he did it. Donovan Mitchell was really good last night. He had 36 for the Jazz, kept him in it almost the whole entire night. So I liked what Donovan was doing, forcing the issue in the fourth quarter. He kept getting fouled. He was stopping the clock. He was going to the free throw line. But... I mean, that that was working quite a bit for quite a while there, but I felt like that's all he was trying to do. And in doing so, it took his teammates out of what was going on so that when those calls weren't happening or if he didn't get the call, then the offense just kind of started to sputter yeah. a little bit. And then he would force up some bad shots or bad passes, and he would get into some bad situations. And then everybody else is a little bit out of sync. On the good so, note, uh, Utah Jazz forward... Joe Ingles has now played 310 straight games. That's the longest active streak in the NBA. Also, since the start of the 2014-15 season, Ingles has played in more games, 412, than anyone else in the NBA. The Jazz now get ready for what's a, real, a continued daunting stretch. They get the Bucks and then the Sixers. No, sorry. The Sixers on Wednesday, the Bucks on Friday. And uh, Bede will be his first game back from his suspension, too. Yeah. Whoopie and they're, they're undefeated. They are. Yeah, it's a tough schedule. You needed to get that Suns game. You had to get that Suns game, and they dropped that one, and then they dropped the Sacramento game, and now you drop the uh, Clippers game. All three are winnable games uh, for the Utah Jazz. We'll have those games around 106.9 The Fan, except for Friday. Well, Friday's a 6 o'clock game, so we'll, we'll get to it. We'll be in progress. <laughs> uh, we'll uh, talk tomorrow night on a Tuesday edition of Full Court Press.